हेलो एंड वेलकम टू द पॉडकास्ट स्पिरिचुअलिटी थ्रू सस्टेनेबिलिटी माय नेम इज़ तपेश इन दिस पॉडकास्ट आई विल बी शेयरिंग माय थॉट्स एंड ट्राई टू मोटिवेट माय लिसनर्स टू अडॉप्ट सस्टेनेबिलिटी टू अचीव देयर गोल ऑफ स्पिरिचुअलिटी नाउ आई नो सम ऑफ यू मे नॉट रिकॉग्नाइज स्पिरिचुअलिटी एज योर गोल बट लेट मी रीडिफाइन स्पिरिचुअलिटी इन थ्री क्वेश्चन who are we why are we and what to do i am sure each one of us have these three questions in their mind at some point or the other and in some way to answer these questions and to have an intuition behind answering these questions is what spirituality is all about to approach these three questions i will be using ideas from sciences philosophy and religion however my objective is not provide any scientific or philosophical knowledge but rather to provide the perception a way to look towards life a way which promotes spirituality even if you are not fully convinced by the idea of spiritual nature i hope that with this new perception you will reconsider your thoughts about spirituality and most importantly the objective to accept sustainability as the guiding principle of life regardless of your spiritual orientation would be valid to all the listeners with this let's begin our journey we will start with some deliberation over nature of life and universe there are many speculations theories and assertions about the nature of life and universe some of these theories are guided by sciences these are developed through observation and experiments that can be repeated and validated independently by humans some are guided by philosophy through the process of introspection acute observation and deliberations within great minds of philosophers while some of these theories are guided by religion these are the ideas thoughts doctrines delivered and propagated by humans though they are claimed to be originated beyond human perception by an omnipotent all powerful entity we refer to as god some of these theories are conflicting while some agrees but nonetheless at this point in time there is no telling what the true nature of life is but that should not stop us from conquering anything about the nature of life or the nature of universe we are at a vantage point where we can with some degree of confidence put together a framework that can help us infer the nature of life the nature of universe and finally answer our three questions who are we why are we and what to do this process is more like fitting a giant jigsaw puzzle 
where we have some pieces for which we know where they will fit in the puzzle board while there are some pieces which we know they don't belong to the puzzle board so we will use the process of elimination to determine which theories and ideas we should keep in the framework and which ones we should discard and we will do so by judging these theories and ideas through the established scientific facts and logic and finally we'll try to come up with a framework that can help make us tangible day-to-day -day life decisions something that can help us in providing guidance and motivation to pursue our life in a more meaningful way so let's begin with thinking about universe well we know we are living we know life exists at least on one planet and that planet lies in a solar system which is within a giant galaxy and the galaxy itself could be within a potentially infinite universe and this universe could have come into existence out of nothing or it was always there thus making it beyond any conceivable concepts like space and time now one might say there are two possibilities for the universe either the whole existence is random or it is an intelligent design from our own experience we can infer that the universe does not seem to be random there is a causal structure we see in the universe and we call it the laws of nature for example the pull of gravity the speed of light and the charge of an electron they are all fixed and do not change in space or time and they certainly do not manifest any random behavior there is a causal structure in the dynamics of the universe as well what we all have read as newton's law of motion is a way to describe that dynamics now there are better theories to describe the dynamics of universe but the causal structure still remains the same so we can say the universe might not be random does that mean the universe is an intelligent design maybe let's explore this idea further if the universe is an intelligent design then it has to have some designer now that's a very interesting point if we assume that there is a designer who has created the universe then a natural questions would be who designed the designer and like following a rabbit hole we can continuously ask okay so who designed the designer's designer and ultimately who designed the first designer right well i'm not the first person who is thinking about this for millennia humans have been thinking about these questions and on the same lines and a very satisfactory answer that a lot of people find is there is a god an all powerful entity god who has created the universe that sounds fair 
it could be true but why would a god create the universe to do anything one must be motivated to do that thing especially when it comes to designing something with intelligence so what could be the motivation of god to design the universe there are a lot of religions and faith that accept that god has designed the universe to have humans on it god has created humans in its own image as its children now this defies the logic if god is an all powerful entity then it must be beyond any resource scarcity and by definition god should not be going through the process of evolution when we say that god has a desire or motivation well motivation and desire are the outcome of evolution so a god who is beyond evolution should not have any desire to have children or to have any companion or just to have somebody to go along with so it seems like a god with certain motivation or intention to create an intelligent design seems logically incorrect so could there be other alternatives there are some alternatives especially uh, in religious mythologies for example in hindu mythology it is said that god has created the universe out of its leela the way leela is defined is a playful act full of joy and exuberance now this answers one question that there is no inherent motivation for god to create the universe it's just that god is dancing and have a playful exuberance and that exuberance basically created the universe but if we think about it this also defies logic what we call as playfulness and exuberance is also an evolutionary trait we know that kids used to play the children of human play the lion cubs play and even as grown ups we tend to play but to us playing is an important evolutionary process it trains us towards the future problems and challenges in our life for example when the lion cubs are playing they are basically preparing themselves for the future survival and they are learning the important tactics to hunt and to be in a social group same way for human children when we as a kids used to play it was a process through which we learned how to socialize and how to be in a group together and these are the traits that are helpful in our adult life so playfulness is an evolutionary trait required for survival and if god is beyond survival requirement and god is beyond evolution then it doesn't seem like god can just be playful to create universe so i do not want to accept either of these two ideologies
simply because if I do, I have to have a belief in one of these ideologies. And the facts that are in front of me and in front of all of us that are laid down by science does not support either of these ideologies. Yet still, I cannot even deny the existence of something beyond me. I cannot simply say the universe is a random place. So we must continue our exploration and redirect our thinking towards life and hope to find some clues. So how do we define life? Well, life is an attribute of living. We can look at it in a certain way that life is an arrangement of matter that has consciousness. What I mean is, I can basically say that I have a body and have consciousness and that defines me as living. So we can say that life has two attributes, matter and consciousness. And there is a specific arrangement of both that can be called as life. Now we have a very good understanding of what matter is through our advancements in science. Especially thanks to advanced quantum mechanics as well as other fields of sciences, we know that eventually all matter is nothing but reverberations in quantum fields. And for simplicity, let's call it reverberations in energy fields. But so far, we do not have a good grasp on what consciousness is. Is it an outcome of biology of the body? Does consciousness emerges as a biological process? Or is it an extra dimension that along with energy creates life? Well, we do not have established scientific facts to answer this. But we must continue. So let's think about how life came into being to gain more understanding about the nature of consciousness. It is an established view that life on earth first appeared as single celled organisms. And for around a billion years or so, it stayed unicellular. Then over a period, the unicellular organisms found a strategy, a strategy of cooperation where the cells basically work together. They created a co-dependent relationship and this helped them to have better prospects of staying alive as compared to being independent. Now since this strategy of cooperation has an evolutionary advantage, it became much more prominent over the period of time and that becomes the advent of multicellular life. This relationship between simple single-celled life to create more complex multicellular life is still evident in our bodies. The mitochondria that we all remember as powerhouse of the cell has its own separate evolutionary start and at some point in time it gets involved with the eukaryote cell 
and gets included in its cell membrane and ever since it has been part of us so all multicellular complex life including humans is possible by a combination of single celled organisms or much simpler forms of life now a question is how these simpler forms of life arise well the scientific term for the process is called abiogenesis what it means is in the right condition simpler organic molecules combine to create life there is some evidence that this process might have begun near hydrothermal vents on the ocean floor of ancient earth because it has conducive environment to generate or synthesize molecules required for life but there is still no clarity at what point in time this happened and what are those basic ingredients that are required to form life what we do know is the life that we currently see is part of a continuum which started with the advent of simpler life now it becomes very tricky to identify at what point would you consider the simpler forms of life as living or non living in this whole continuum of life and this is a very important idea because it feels like this continuum should extend and should not have a jump start what i mean by that is it is very unlikely that at one point the ingredients of life were non living and then they were combined together and you got a living this mystery of defining life is not new it is a mystery in past as well a very interesting concept was proposed and adopted by vedic philosophers they introduced the concept of consciousness field let's try to fit this in our framework and see if it helps answer our questions now we have already discussed about energy field and our understanding of how all matter originates from energy field we can use that as an analogy to have an understanding about consciousness field well in terms of energy field and matter we know that all matter is made up of energy but the way it manifests its energy or energy potential varies by the arrangement of the matter for example if we take a rock a piece of coal and a piece of uranium they all are made up of matter they all have mass but the way they manifest their energy is completely different we can take a piece of coal and burn it to generate heat we can put a uranium into radioactive chamber and harness its energy but we cannot use an inert sedimentary rock in this traditional way to harness its energy potential 
So in some way, we can say that the energy potential of the rock is latent. That is, it has energy, but it is not accessible. Now if we take this concept and apply it on consciousness as a field, one way we can differentiate between what we call as living and non-living is how they manifest their consciousness potential. So as per this concept, living is the one that manifests consciousness potential, while the non-living is one that do not manifest consciousness potential, or as we said in the case of rock, its consciousness potential is latent. Now this seems a little confusing, so I'll try to give an intuitive example to understand this. Let's consider English language. Now it has alphabets. When these alphabets are combined in some specific ways, we get words. And words have some meaning. Let's call it information potential. But if we randomly arrange alphabets, then we'll get gibberish, something without any meaning. So we can say when alphabets are combined in proper way, they manifest information potential as words. But when they are randomly combined together, they do not manifest any information potential. But still, the alphabets do have an information potential, but it is latent. Now if we combine words together, we get sentences and the information potential of the sentences is much higher than the information potential of individual words. And in the same way, if we combine sentences together with some specific arrangement, we get stories. And stories have even much higher information potential. Now when I said with some arrangement, it means in the context of language that arrangement is grammar. So if we are combining words to create a sentence in grammatical arrangement, we get meaningful sentences. And when we combine these sentences in again grammatical manner, we get meaningful stories. So we can see how simple alphabets are combined together to generate information. But if you look at an individual alphabet, you would say it does not have any information. So I hope this analogy can help you appreciate how combination of simple life creates complex multicellular life and that combination basically increases the consciousness potential and that we recognize as life. So with this understanding, let's define our framework as follows. We know that matter can be described as reverberations in energy. But now let's extend this to reverberations in consciousness energy field. 
an analogy to think about this two dimensional reverberation would be to think of light how it is a reverberation in electromagnetic field and now we can define the simpler unicellular life as reverberation in the consciousness energy field but with visible consciousness potential when these simpler life forms combine to create more complex life forms the consciousness potential increases same way as when alphabets are combined to create words their information potential increased so with this idea we can introduce an axiom for this framework that consciousness potential increases with inclusivity this axiom of the framework seems valid we know that humans and other primates and complex animals like dolphins especially those who live in social groups have high consciousness potential now we can think about it as we have a tendency as a social species to have an associated identity with a group for example nationality or family or friends when individuals in a group come together and take that identity it increases their consciousness potential now an important aspect of human evolution is the use of language the ability to conceive and communicate ideas even abstract ones and often naming or adopting a symbol to represent a complex and abstract idea is very useful to meditate the idea further the abstract idea that we have just now defined of consciousness energy field becomes much more tractable and easier to understand if we assign a name to it and that's what the ancient vedic philosophers did they called this all pervading consciousness energy field as parbrahm and by extension of the definition of our framework we can say the universe and everything that is in the universe is basically a reverberation in parbrahm think of it as waves in an ocean in this analogy the ocean is parbrahm and everything we all are waves now a wave in the ocean can be distinguished from other waves in some perspective right you can see a wave going and then another wave coming from behind so you can differentiate two waves but you cannot differentiate the wave from the ocean itself this very idea is so profound that it became the foundation of vedic philosophy in sanskrit this idea is called through a verse aham brahmasmi that means i am from i am par brahm the moment you realize aham brahmasmi that i am par brahm 
यू कैनॉट मिस बट कंक्लूड सो इज एवरी वन एवरीबडी एल्स वॉट एवर इज इन द यूनिवर्स इज पर ब्रह्म एवरी थिंग इज पर ब्रह्म नाउ दिस रियलाइजेशन कुड पोटेंशियली क्रिएट अ कॉन्फ्लिक्ट ऑफ सेल्फ इफ आई एम सींग एवरीबडी इंक्लूडिंग मी एंड एवरी थिंग एल्स इज रिवरब्रेशन इन पर ब्रह्म then who am i why am i distinct well the self identity or the awareness of self that we have is an evolutionary trait pretty much like other evolutionary traits like hunger and sleep having an awareness of self is an advantageous strategy that helps us in our survival and as we progress in our journey of evolution this awareness of self becomes even stronger so it is good to remind myself that i am an intermediary step in a long dynamic process of evolution and that is the cause of my self identity and we can do so because under the rigor of evolution we humans have acquired some astonishing capabilities including intelligence the ability to have abstract thoughts and this allows us to look beyond our basic evolutionary instincts instincts like self identity now we have been talking a lot about evolution and survival and i'm sure everybody has a good understanding of what evolution is at least at an intuitive level and i must even put a disclaimer that i am not a biologist i also have an intuitive understanding of evolution but in a very simple term we can define evolution as it is a set of optimum strategies that maximizes an organism's survival and reproduction chances in a finite resource environment please note it is applicable only when there is a finite resource environment if the resources are unlimited there would not be any need for evolution in a very crude way one can surmise evolution as competition for resources through survival of fittest and it is one of the most popular way how evolution is taken in the normal parlance but when we are talking about survival and survival of the fittest it somehow feels that we are contradicting the idea that all beings are basically part of the same that they are all reverberations in parbrahm well not exactly but let's bring in more conflict we know for survival there is an interdependence and quite violent interdependence what we call as food chain at first glance it seems that the very existence of food chain that one animal is killing and eating another is basically in contradiction to the idea 
that all beings are reverberations in Parbrahm? Not so. Because the food chain is essentially an energy conversion process where one organism consumes another for its survival. And the proper term to define this process is not food chain, but food cycle. Since it is a cyclical process. In very crude way, we can understand it as follows. A complex life form consumes simpler life form to absorb its energy potential. And when this complex life form dies, its body decomposes and is consumed by the simpler life forms and thus making it a self-sustaining cycle. Now it is a very efficient way to maintain the continuum of life in a resource limited environment. And that is the reason why food cycle emerges as a process of life. And this process also explains why we see so much diversity in the life forms. What happens is the evolutionary strategies, they manifest as vastly diverse characteristics and traits among different species. There is a field of study called evolutionary game theory. It is a mathematical field of game theory applied to biological evolution. Application of this theory can basically help explain the different complex behavior and characteristics of different species. So there is nothing mysterious about different forms of life. Every difference is an evolutionary trait. It only depends on how an organism is interacting with the environment. So even though we see a lot of diversity, we can appreciate that all life is interconnected and interdependent. This realization can help resolve the conflict of self as well as why I am a distinct person. So I believe with this we can accept this framework that everything is a reverberation in Parbrahm. Because it fulfills all our scientific, scientifically established facts as well as it passes the test of logic. So after accepting this framework, we can see how it transforms our day-to-day -day life. I want to bring this fact that this idea that everything in the universe is reverberation in Parbrahm has been the fundamental bedrock of Vedic philosophy. And this can be seen in the culture of India even today. The simple act of eating food is considered spiritual. Because when one sees the act of eating as Brahm, nourishing Brahm, this whole process becomes spiritual. One looks even the food with a sense of gratitude and reverence. This realization was the reason why Indians adopted conscientious food habits. 
any type of food wastage was regarded a sin and that includes throwing away food or habitual overeating for sensory gratification also vegetarianism was promoted extensively though some groups could continue consuming animal meat due to their natural requirements they were advised to limit their consumption and most importantly to have reverence and gratitude for the life they consume this was practiced through ritualistic animal sacrifice it is still very important in indian culture to have gratitude towards food source and this is the reason why cow has such an auspicious place in indian society though the world used to mock india for considering cow as mother but for indians we do consider cow as mother because her milk is a prominent source of nutrition to the vegetarian indians and instead of treating cows as cattle and food source we consider them as mother and they are revered even plants grains and other aspects of our food are considered divine after this realization that everyone everybody is a reverberation in parbrahm one would not destroy and exploit another life because of their evolutionary instincts this translates to no killing of animals at industrial scale for taste gratification however if a tribal is hunting sustainably for food and nourishment that would be fine and believe me those tribal who actually hunt for food they have a very high reverence for their food source not only in india but across the globe now i want to point out we humans are at a pivotal point in the long evolutionary journey we have developed enough competence that we can understand and manipulate our environment as per our needs we are potentially the only species who have the capability to become resource abundant it provides us a unique opportunity to shift our focus from expanding energy potential to expanding consciousness potential and the path to that will be through inclusivity however we still have a lot of challenges challenges in the form of evolutionary traits like anger greed lust and especially a strong self identity and unfortunately these challenges are very real we cannot ignore our influence over the nature and other species lately we have been involved in a lot of mindless destruction of our natural resources of our natural habitat and all this under the influence of our evolutionary instincts we should not forget the immense competencies that we have that allows us to have this level of influence on the world around us is a result of life's evolution and it is especially sad because the destruction that we are causing is not even bringing any benefits to us 
not in short term and certainly neither in long term we are destroying simply out of our ignorance however sometimes all it needs is a change in perspective to turn things around and that is what i want to achieve through this podcast i want to provide a new perspective to look at self and the world around us and we will do so throughout this journey to conclude today's episode i will say we need our intellect and all the resources that we have to manipulate the environment and self in such a way that we can repress our instincts and become much more inclusive and thus expand our consciousness potential and realize our true nature as reverberations in parbrahm or as said in the sanskrit verse aham brahmasmi before finishing it off i want to say a beautiful stanza from an indian poem that captures the heart of today's episode to those of you who understands hindi you can appreciate it directly and for all others i will translate it it says har har mein hai har base har har ko har ki aas har ko har har dhoond phiri aur har hai mohre paas this is a very beautiful stanza i believe it was composed by mirabai and it is also included in nusrat fateh ali khan's qawwali called saanson ki mala so what it means is everybody aspires to know divine everybody is trying to search divine in every place however at the end she realizes her own self is divine with this thank you